today we are getting close to our last part of our Apostles' Creed journey. Today we're talking about the statement that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which is a fun one to talk about. We're going to look at two pieces of scripture that describe what this means to us. The first is in Galatians and the second is in 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. This is what scripture tells us. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all in many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were given, all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, but because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of spell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I was trying to think of a way to describe what it means for us to be the Holy Catholic Church, to understand the Holy Catholic Church. And the first thing you need to understand is that Catholic, in this sense, does not mean the Catholic denomination of faith. When we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're not saying that we believe in the Pope. We're not saying that we believe in all of those who come from Rome. We're not saying that we believe in all of our Catholic brothers and sisters. What we're saying is that we believe in the church universal. That word Catholic in this moment, in this instance, translates to universal. The church worldwide, believers everywhere, churches everywhere. That though there are many parts, there is one body. And so I was thinking about it, and it got me thinking about how I grew up in Southern California. Southern California is a great place to grow up, it doesn't, well, it does get hot like it gets here. Don't let them fool you. Everyone wants you to believe that it's 70 all the time in California. That's only true if you have $7 million and you live on the beach. Otherwise, <laughs> for the rest of the whole all of San Diego, it gets into the 90s and 100s. But growing up in San Diego was great because it is literally an hour and a half from the greatest place on the face of the planet. Do you know what that is? Disneyland, well done. It is definitely only an hour and a half, a quick drive. What would take Joe to drive to work every day here? I could drive, my parents could drive us to Disneyland. So I grew up going to Disneyland regularly. We had annual passes. It was definitely for me the most magical place on the face of the earth. In fact, I would get into deep discussions 
otherwise known as arguments if you're really talking about it, but deep discussions with friends who had been to Disney World, and they would say, Disney World's the best. Shush! <laughs> they would say, Disney World's the best. It has more parks, it's bigger, the castle in California is so small, how can you get away with such a small, I can't, another person tells me that, they're not my friend anymore, I was gonna say. <laughs> But I grew up loving Disneyland, everything about it. The magic, now it has two parks in California, but when I grew up there was just the one, the original, the traditional, it was everything you could want, it was magical. I still love going today, although I ride no rides because I can't handle them anymore. My kids ride no rides because I, don't, I can't tell you why they'll ride no rides, you have to ask them. But we go anyway because it's amazing, it's magical and it's fun. But there are definitely more people in this world who probably think, I'm just going to admit it, that Disney World is better. But then there's 12 other parks. There's one in Paris, there's one in Tokyo, there's one in Singapore, and I bet you we could find just as many people to tell us that those parks, well, they're better than Disney World or Disneyland. Then again, when we think about Disney, it's just not the parks anymore, is it? Actually, it didn't start with the parks. It started with a little mouse. And some people would tell you that what's most important about Disney are not the stupid parks that you go and sweat at and stand in line in. No, it's, it's the cartoons. It's what they did for the world and, and for children all across the globe. It's that little mouse. I can sing the hot dog song too. Anybody who was a parent when my kids were my little can sing you the hot diggity dog song. Um, but it's the mouse or all the movies that they put out. I heard they're putting out a live version of Ariel, not Ariel, The Little Mermaid, right? And we all watch it. Why? Because it's Disney. There's a lot of different parts to Disney, and there will be people who will argue one way or another that this part is the most important, or that this part is the best, or that the part that they experience at a certain part of their age, or that what Disney movie is the best Disney movie. We could not find an agreement on that in this room, let alone in my own household. But all of those different parts are simply parts of a whole, right? They're parts of the same whole. It doesn't matter which one I like the most. Doesn't matter which one I would go to if I had all the money in the world. Doesn't matter which movie I would watch over and over again. They're all part of the same whole. And that's what we're talking about today when we talk about the Holy Catholic Church. We're talking about the fact that there is a nature to the body of Christ. And what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is the church. It's not this building right here. Midway Church. It's not our building. It's not the people in this building. It's not the United Methodist Church, which makes up the bigger thing that we as a unit are a part of. It's not Protestantism. Protestantism I can't say the word. It's not Protestants. There we go. I don't have to have the ism at the end. It's not Protestants that make up the church. When we talk about the body of Christ, we're talking about the collective of every believer, every church that claims everything that we say in the creed. Anybody who falls under that banner is part of the body of Christ. It's part of the believers of Christ. It is the church universal. It is the holy Catholic church. Did you know that there's some people will count up to 33,000 different denominations across the globe? It's a lot, right? And people would wonder, how can the body, which is one, Christ, there aren't 33,000 little Christs running around the world, right? There's not. Those are different parts 
of the body, the one body of Christ. So today I'm going to talk to you about three pieces of the nature of the church that we need to understand in order for us to understand what it means to be a holy Catholic universal church. Those three are, there's, there's one, it's a, our church is one, apostolic, and holy, and we're going to look at that together. So first we're going to look at one. The church is one. We are all part of the same church. And though there are theologians who will get into dis disagreements about, well, United Methodists believe, don't believe in predestination, and Presbyterians believe in predestination, and that makes a big difference, and guess what? It doesn't doesn't decide if you're going to heaven or hell. It doesn't decide if I'm going to heaven or hell. We talked about it last week. Who decides? Jesus. Jesus sits on the mercy seat and decides who's going to heaven and hell. Our lines that we draw as humans are a lot like the differences that make us up as humanity. God loves difference. God loves distinction. God loves diversity. Look at creation in and of itself. There's not one kind of tree. There are, I don't, couldn't tell you. I didn't look it up. There are so many different, how many, how many, Andrew? 250,000. There are 250,000 different kinds of trees. What kind of God creates 250,000 different kinds of trees? A God who loves diversity. And not one tree is better than the other. They all serve a purpose. They all have a role. And I can't believe you knew that off the top of your head. But they all serve a purpose. Look at flowers, look at the sky. Clouds aren't even the same. One day we have clouds that are big and fluffy and then some days we have them when they're all stretched out but they're all good, not one is better than the other. Unfortunately for us as humans, we have this issue with diversity, with difference. We see something that's different and we label it as other, as weird, as odd. Some of you heard that church clap song and went, oh my God, what am I listening to? Because it was different. It was weird. It was rappy. Right? But our kids, they loved it. They were church clapping all over this place in the pews, up here. I mean, they were really great at the church clap. Not my favorite, but it sure is somebody's. And it's a road to Christ for somebody. And when we look at the divisions that we have in this world, they're really caused by our hesitancy to embrace different. It didn't start with religion. Our hesitancy to embrace different started just in humanity. It started with looking at each other and saying, oh, you got brown hair, I got blonde hair, uh, I'm better. I'm better! No, no. You have blue eyes, I have brown eyes. Blue eyes are better, right? <laughs> I have white skin, you have brown skin, I'm better, right? You see, we look at difference and it makes us uncomfortable because we don't know what to do with it. But what we should do when we see difference is embrace it and recognize that God loves diversity. God loves men. God loves women. God loves white skin. God loves brown skin. God loves blonde hair. God loves blue eyes. God loves it all because God created it all. 
God loves United Methodists, and God loves Presbyterians. God loves the Catholics, and God loves Lutherans. God loves it all. We should not be surprised that there are 33,000 different expressions of what the body of Christ looks like. For there are billions of people in this world who need to get to know that there's a Father that loves them, that has a plan for them, and that created them. And not every person is going to feel at home in this space. Not every person is going to feel at home in a Catholic space. And not every person is going to feel at home in a Pentecostal space. You see, our diversity is a good thing. It's not something that we should look at as a Christ's body shattered. We should look at it as expressions of who Christ is and of who God is and what we're meant to be to the world. Because truly, we're not 33,000 different bodies. We are one body of believers. The thing that does create the mark in the line, though, is our creedal statements. The Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed, they believe, started around the second century after Christ was born. They believe, some believe that each statement was, or the Catholic Church attributes each statement to a different apostle. I don't know that that's true. But we say we're an apostolic church, the nature of the church, not our church, all churches that believe this creed. We're an apostolic church because what we fundamentally those statements we find in the creed, the reason why we say them is because those are the marking lines. You fall outside of those lines, and then you're probably not part of the body of Christ. You see, that apostolic lineage, those statements, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus, that whole statement, each one of those gives us a roadmap that we can all fall under together to guide us in our diversity. Diversity. Did you hear that? See, we're not trying to get rid of diversity by having statements of faith. We're not trying to make everybody look the same by having statements of faith. We're trying to help each expression of the body of Christ live into faithfully what it means to follow Christ. And those statements, those beliefs that guide us in our diversity are found in the Apostles' Creed. Those are our guardrails, like on the freeway, right? They keep us in our lanes. But we all go back to this lineage of being formed from the apostles, being part of that first church. We are part, we're one, but we're also part of the very first church that started. Who we are. The city started then, too. The arguing about what's right belief and what's not right belief, the arguing about how to live and how not to live didn't begin with us. It began in that first church. It actually began before the first church because the Jewish tradition before it had those same discussions. What does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to follow the commandments? What does it mean to do all the things that we're supposed to do? The creed gives us all a place to sit. It allows us all a place at the table. If I am leading a church that is part of the body of Christ, if I'm a human that accepts these truths into my life, then I am part of the body of God. So if I say Christian church instead of Catholic, I'm not part of the body of Christ, is that it? 
No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying these statements guard our faith. However you want to translate that word, you're saying the same word. You're saying the same statement, right? We can have a discussion after church. Huh? We can talk after church. <laughs> I got a new hearing aid. I <laughs> Catholic does not mean Catholic. It means universal. It means whole. It represents who we are as the body of Christ, right? If that means Christian to you, that means Christian to you. You're part of the body of Christ. But it represents diversity. It accepts diversity. It allows diversity. And it challenges us to live into being part of that diverse nature. It challenges us with our brothers and sisters who stand under different denominational banners. It challenges us to look at this world not just as Midway Church, not just as the United Methodist Church, but as Christ universal. Getting together with believers who don't fall under our same banner, but fall under our same creed and serving the world that's around us. See, the body works the best when it's working together and functioning as one, doesn't it? When the body is trying to, when one part of the body is rebelling against the rest of the body. I think we're all old enough to have felt that, right? We have some part of our body that's not playing fair. The body does not function as well as it could as when all the parts are working together. And that's what we're meant to do. The body of Christ is people who accept, who choose to work with those who sit outside of our predetermined boundaries. The last statement in us. It's the work of God in this building, in this body, and in us as individuals. That's what makes us holy. And we rely on that, not on my idea of what's right and wrong, not on your idea of what's right and wrong, not on my right living or of your right living. We rely on the graciousness of God in our lives. So the church that is holy and Catholic that we say each week, is a church that is made holy by God. It is a church that is one body, one, not 33,000 different bodies. And it's a church that is apostolic. It started way back in Acts with the works of the first apostles. And it's with their work that we continue to build and share in God with this world. One, holy and apostolic. 
That's what makes us the church universal. So the question we have to ask ourselves today is what are we doing, how are we thinking, or really, have you ever considered what it looks like to step outside of your church boundaries and to partner with the rest of the body of Christ to do the work that we're being called to do? What does that look like in our lives? What does that look like for Midway as a church? And what does that look like for you as an individual believer in God? Where are you in the community connecting with people who believe slightly differently than you do? And how are we together representing the body of Christ in this world? It doesn't matter. Well, I don't think it's fair to say it doesn't matter. It's less important what our theological leanings are than it is that we gather together as a united body, taking away barriers that we put up because we're uncomfortable with diversity. And reaching across those lanes, holding hands with people who claim Christ like we do, and going out into the world and sharing what it is we've all received, because God is good. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for diversity. I thank you for the 250,000 different types of trees we have. I thank you for the 33,000 denominations of representations of your body of Christ in this world. I thank you for the United Methodist Church. And I thank you for Midway, where we get to be a representation to this community. And Lord, I pray that you encourage us, that you show us, that you help us to reach across division, embrace diversity, so that we can better represent you in the world. It has to start somewhere. It may as well start with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.